Okay, so we left off last week in verse number 16, uh, and verse 16 took uh, a little while, so we are in Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 16 took a while because it was a very long verse, and there was a lot of things in there, uh, but basically to recap, it was about uh, the uh, Christ uh, forming the whole body fitly joined together that God put us in place uh, in the body of Christ uh, where he needs us and where he wants us and that every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure of every part and what that uh, meant was is that everything uh, every person is uh, needful and every person, no matter how insignificant they may feel or other people may think they are, they are really important to the body of Christ and they serve a purpose. And the body as a whole, if one part suffers, the whole body suffers. And then uh, at the end of the verse where it says, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love, that's where it was talking about that uh, the body increases, the body grows and develops and we do that personally uh, in our spiritual life, and we also do it as a fellowship and as a group of believers. We grow um, spiritually, and we talked about spiritual maturity and how that uh, we need to grow up spiritually and progress. And then it also said the edifying of itself in love, and we talked about how that uh, love is essential. Uh, to the body of Christ that we should love each other. First uh, John chapter 3 verse 10 says, In this the children of God are manifest or known and the children of the devil. So we can know who's saved and who's lost, basically. Uh, Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then verse 14, he said, we know that we've passed from death unto life. How do we know that we're saved? How do we know that we've passed over and that we're a Christian and that we're born again? We know that we passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. That's an evidence of salvation. And hatred for fellow Christians is an evidence of not being saved. Uh, he that loveth not his brother abideth in death, it says. So love is a key element. Uh, if you think about it, you can't be a Christian without love because that's what Christianity is based on. <laughs> it's based on love. It's based on God's love for us and our love for him uh, and our love for each other. Uh, so it's all about uh, love. So now we're going to get down in to verse number 17 and we uh, are starting to get into a little bit different uh, subject matter at this point. So Paul, uh, down through uh, probably around uh, verse 10, all the way down through verse number 16, he's talking about the building up of the body, the perfecting of the saints, the growing up spiritually, and the spiritual progression in us as individuals and us as a group of believers and then, here in verse number 17, he switches gears a little bit and uh, starts talking about 
uh, more specifics. So I'm going to be completely honest with you. The way I study <clears throat> the Word of God is I will read it and I will uh, pray about it, of course, and try to be led by the Spirit. But I'll read the chapter and then I'll think in my mind, okay, what is this saying and, and what does this mean? And I, and I try to come up uh, on my own with what it means to me and what I think it's saying. And then what I will do, I have uh, four or five uh, really dependable and really good uh, commentators that I've got some commentaries. And then I'll pull out those commentaries one at a time. And I'll read uh, what those men have to say about that scripture. And uh, sometimes it will encourage me because it reinforces what I, what I got out of it. And sometimes it will give me even additional uh, thoughts or viewpoints on it and sometimes I read it and it's completely opposite of what I thought so then I have to sit back and go okay <laughs> was I that off or did we see it differently and that's when I'll look at maybe two or three other commentaries but I will be honest with you right here verse 10 down through uh, verse number I don't know 23 24 ish uh, I read this and I came up in my mind what I felt like it meant. But then when I checked the commentaries, every commentator that I read after was, they were all the same and they were all opposite of what I thought. Uh, so I'll give it to you both ways. <laughs> How's that? All right, so basically what most Bible commentators and Bible scholars say is that starting here in verse number 17, Paul is, stops talking about the progression of growth spiritually and goes all the way back to before we were saved. So he's going back to uh, the pre-salvation uh, person here. That's not what I got out of it when I read it. When I read this, I got out that because he's just, he, he, he's talking about growing spiritually and being part of the body of Christ and then starting in verse number 17, I saw it that he's talking to us as carnal Christians, as, as uh, not where we need to be spiritually. And uh, so we'll look at it uh, both ways, and you can decide for yourself which one uh, you think it means. But here's the great thing about it. If, if we see it that he's talking about Christians that aren't living right, or if we're seeing it, that he's talking about what we were before we were saved, it's still relevant and it's still true either way. So uh, I didn't want to come in and teach it the way I thought it was and not give you the uh, caveat that uh, none of the commentators I read after agreed with me, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, verse number 17, he said, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. So what they're saying is, is they're saying that when he says walk not as other Gentiles, he's saying don't walk as lost people. Don't be like lost people. And uh, so they're, he's saying that, they're, that, uh, that he's referring to uh, non-Christians here. Uh, however... And I'll give you a couple of things that, that the reason why I thought it was is he said, 
I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not. So in other words, he's saying from here forward, don't walk as other Gentiles, which means they weren't walking right with God. Okay, so that, that tells you that they were in a carnal state. And also the verses before tell us that. And then when you jump down uh, to verse number 20, just real quickly, he said uh, he, in 18 and 19, he talks about how that they are not walking right. And then he said in verse number 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. So to me, that meant that the other Gentiles that he referred to were saved and they learned Christ, but they learned Christ wrong, that they weren't walking according to the doctrines of Christianity, of what the doctrines of what Christ taught. And he's telling this group in Ephesus that you didn't learn it that way, that you learned a different way. Um, and then uh, in verse 22, uh, he talks about putting off the former uh, man, the old man. In verse number 23, he talks about being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Uh, so I just really felt strongly that um, in verse 17 down through verse number 19, it was referring to uh, carnal Christians, but everybody else uh, says it's referring to uh, lost people, but that's okay. All right, so First um, Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 3 uh, said, But ye are yet carnal, whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? And that word carnal means things pertaining to the flesh. So when we, when we say a carnal Christian, what we mean is they're living according to the flesh rather than according to the Spirit of God. So they're not living a righteous, holy life. It doesn't mean that they're uh, necessarily in some kind of gross sin of adultery or some other kind of thing. It just means that day to day they're driven by the flesh and the desires of the flesh uh, and they're not driven by the Holy Spirit of God and led uh, by God. So he says in verse 17, henceforth not walk as the other Gentiles uh, who uh, walk in the vanity of their own mind. And what that means is uh, the vanity of their own mind means moral depravity, corrupt or wicked, uh, to, be, to, to, to live according to their own understanding. And to me, that's how a carnal Christian is, that you can tell them, well, this is what God's Word says. And they go, yeah, but I just don't really think that applies. They have every excuse in the world for why that no longer applies and they don't have to live that way. Um, so that's where it talks about the vanity of their own mind, that in their mind, they're doing right. Uh, but in God's mind, they're not. Ver, uh, Romans 8, 6 said to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Second Peter 2, uh, 20 and 21 says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if they are there again entangled therein and they're overcome, the latter end is worse than the beginning. So in other words, in your lost state, you get 
you get saved and you're, you're living for God and then you revert back to your former lifestyle, you're worse off than you were when you were just lost. Uh, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. And the reason why it's worse, they're still saved and they're still going to go to heaven. But now the devil is already attacking them because they're, they're a Christian, right? But now they're out of the will of God. So God says, those whom I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. So now not only are they being attacked by the devil, but they also are now being chastised by a holy God because we are his children. And when we are disobedient, chastisement comes upon us. Then in verse number 18, it says, Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now this part where it says, Having their understanding darkness, uh, or have their understanding darkened, you can look at that two ways. If we're talking about the lost person, the lost person cannot understand the things of God. And if we're talking about carnal Christians, the carnal Christian's understanding is darkened by living according to the flesh rather than to the spirit. So once again, uh, they think they're doing right. They think they're okay. They think they're doing good enough. But uh, to God's standard, uh, they are falling far short. And then it says being alienated from the life of God. So that's another thing there to where uh, the commentators thought that it was talking about lost people because they were alienated. They were outside. Uh, so that word alienated means to be shut out of fellowship. But you could also look at that to where we're alienated from the life of God, meaning that we're shut out of fellowship with God the Father. So we're not living uh, the life of God because we're walking according to the flesh, not according to the Spirit. Romans 8, verse 7 and 8 says that the carnal mind is enmity against God or the enemy of God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So God is not pleased when we're walking and living according to this world and according to the flesh. But a lot of times what people think is uh, they think that God has a scoreboard where he keeps points, right? So I did some things wrong. I didn't live exactly right, but I paid my tithes. I gave extra money to the missionary. So that gets me points to make up for where I'm not living right, you know. And a lot of times people serve God out of guilt. They're not living right, so they come to church not because they want to be here, but because they want to get those points with God, right? So they're here on Sunday morning, they're here on Sunday night, they give tithes, not because they care, it's because they're trying to get those points. Well, God tells us that he doesn't look on the actions of the body, he looks on the heart. So a person that wants to give money but doesn't have money to give is more blessed in God's eyes than the person that has money and gives $1,000. And he gave us a parable of that with the woman that put in the one mite. She was, she was greater than all those people that put in the tons of money. So that's the way God uh, looks at us 
and we can be alienated from that life and we can be shut out of fellowship. And then it says through ignorance. Now, that word ignorance means the lacking of knowledge or training to be unlearned. So obviously, uh, lost people are ignorant to the things of God and the spiritual things of God because they can't understand it. That's why the Word of God says that preaching of the cross is foolishness to them because they, they literally don't understand why we're so excited about being saved. They, they just don't get it. Um, heal the Holy Spirit of God uh, convicts their heart and they come to know Him and then, then they realize and then they get it. But if we're talking about carnal Christians here, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about, and, and we talked about this, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago when we were up uh, in the uh, other verses of chapter 4 in the sense that uh, people are unlearned. So uh, remember we talked about uh, the um, new convert or those unlearned Christians that are uh, spiritually immature, and how that they're unlearned. They're lacking knowledge. And then it says also, according to the blindness of their heart. Now that word blindness means stupidity or callousness, indifference. So their understanding is darkened because their heart is cold and calloused. And, it's, and it's, if they're a carnal Christian, it's because they're not walking with God. And that's what happens when we, when we quote, backslide and get in the flesh. We become callous to the things of God. We become callous to other people's uh, burdens and problems. We become callous for lost people. Our prayer life stops. Why do, why do people stop praying when they're carnal Christians? Because they don't care enough to pray. If, if, you, if you are praying for your fellow man and, and woman, if you're praying for a fellow Christian, if you're praying for lost people, it's, it's because you care for them and you want to see God move and do something in their life. And a lack of prayer is a lack of concern. I mean, let's just be honest. If you were truly concerned about that person, you would pray for them because you would want God to make a difference in their life. A lack of prayer is a sign of a lack of concern. And then we get into verse 19. He just talked about the blindness of their heart, and that means the callousness or indifference of their heart. And then 19, he says, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness. And that's what we're talking about. They're past feeling. They no longer feel for other people. They no longer feel guilty for their sin, right? So if you are a spiritual child of God and you are spiritually mature, the, the, the minorest infraction in your mind is of great concern to you. That you go to God and you ask forgiveness for that. You take it to the altar and you put it down and you say, God, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. I was rude to that person. I was having a bad day, whatever it is. But you take a carnal Christian, they not only are sinning, but, but they don't have that much guilt or concern about it because they're past feeling. Uh, they are uh, past the point that it bothers them. And it says that they've been given over to lasciviousness. And that word lasciviousness is very specific. It means unbridled lust, unrestrained sexual behavior is what that means. So obviously, if we're talking about lost people, um, their blindness of their heart, they're indifferent, they're past feeling, they're, they're unconcerned, and they have that uh, unbridled lust 
for sexual behavior. But carnal Christians also fall into that. And then when we get on down, he says, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. So uncleanliness means physically and morally impure. And with greediness, it means they desire more and more. So does the lost person that is, that is in sin, that is living in sin, do they have a lust for that lifestyle? Yes, they do. They want more and more and more. Do you ever notice that everything that's bad for you is addictive? And everything that's good for you is not? Nobody's addicted to healthy food. Nobody walks around saying, I just got to have me a, a meat-free hamburger. I'm, I'm addicted to hamburgers. What are we addicted to? People are addicted to drugs, things that kill them. Okay? You, they get addicted to cigarettes. It gives you lung cancer. People get addicted to uh, chewing tobacco and getting skull, which, or dipping skull, which rots your teeth and gives you uh, gum cancer. You know, every seems like everything that's addictive is, is bad for you. Uh, talking to some people a little while back, and we were talking about diets and things like that. And I told them, I said, that my doctor told me uh, the best diet to be on is to put the food in your mouth. If it tastes good, spit it out because it's not good for you. <laughs> if, if it tastes like weeds and it tastes like you're chewing cardboard, go ahead and eat it because that's healthy. So everything that's healthy we put in our mouth doesn't taste good. Everything that tastes good is like you know candy bars and sweets and everything else. Uh, so that's a good rule of thumb for uh, your diet. If it tastes good, spit it out. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, this is an example of the carnal Christian who is physically and morally impure, that's desiring more and more, that's been turned over to that unbridled, that lasciviousness, that's unbridled lust. So Paul was writing to the church of Corinth, and he said, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And he said, and he's talking about in the church. And he says, and such fornication as not even as so much as named among the Gentiles. In other words, Gentiles outside the family of God wouldn't even think about doing this. And here a person in the church is doing this. And unfortunately, see, see we think a lot of that stuff has happened in the last few years. No, it was, it was all the way back in Paul's day. So listen to what this... Uh, fornication was that's not even named among Gentiles that one should have his father's wife so here's a man who's in the church and he's having an affair not with just a woman not with just a married woman but his stepmother a woman that is married to his father <laughs> and that's happening in the church now it's important that we understand Corinthians was written by Paul around A.D. 55, and Ephesians was written six years later in A.D. 61. So I'm sure when Paul was writing this, he was thinking back uh, about that person in the church of Corinth. And then in verse number 20, he says, but, you, but ye have not so learned Christ. In other words, you didn't learn that it's okay to be that way. You didn't learn that it's okay to walk according to the flesh, that it's okay to live in lasciviousness, that it's okay to be physically impure, to be desiring more and more. Uh, he said, you didn't learn Christ that way. Uh, Paul did not associate living righteously with the religion. He didn't associate it with his following or his followers. 
He related it to a person's personal relationship with Jesus himself. The word learned here actually means not only to learn it, but also to understand it. So when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we, uh, as that relationship grows and we mature spiritually and we get closer and closer to God, then our understanding is broadened. It's enlightened. And we understand more and more about uh, the devil and his tricks and sin and the impact of sin on our lives and on other people's lives. Now, Warren Wiersbe, there was a good quote from him that I wanted to share. Uh, he said, Paul did not say, learned about Christ, because it is possible to learn about Christ and never be saved. To learn Christ means to have a personal relationship to Christ so that you get to know him better each day. Jesus Christ is alive. Therefore, I can learn Christ through a personal fellowship with him. And I believe that that's what he's talking about. He's saying that you have matured past that, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ himself, and that's not how you learned the Christian life is. Now, in verse 21, he says, If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So you've not learned Christ this way, and if that be so, you've heard him and you've been taught by him. Now, notice that Paul didn't say that you've heard me and you've been taught by me. That's not what he said. He said, you've heard him and been taught by him. <clears throat> That's really important. So men like Paul can teach us great things. And we have teachers and preachers today that are able to expound the scriptures and help us grow and develop and learn. But we always have to remember, and I always remember this, and I caution other people who are getting into studying the Bible, get you a few uh, commentators that are biblically sound and doctrinally sound and read after them. Don't read after people that have these crazy outlandish beliefs and everything else. Get two or three or four really solid doctrinally sound people that have written commentaries, but you always have to remember they are still just human. So they may have been... Uh, preaching and pastoring for 40 years they have studied the word of god longer than some of us have been alive but that doesn't mean that they know everything it doesn't mean that they're always right okay it means that more than likely they're probably right because they've been in the word for so long but we always have to remember just because you read it in a commentary doesn't mean that it's so so i look at the bible that's why I look at it, I read it, and I try to figure out in my mind what it means. And sometimes I'm confused. I'm like, I really have no idea what that means. But then when I go to my commentaries, it becomes clear to me because these men have studied it out, and they're able to, to put it in uh, uh, words that I'm able to understand how, uh, what the writer is saying. So it's a really good tool to use, but... You have to go by what thus saith the word of God, not by what thus saith somebody that wrote a book. Um, John 14, 6, talking about the comforter, Jesus said, But the comforter, which the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. 
and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. And in John 16, Jesus said, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So, yes, we have pastors and we have preachers and we have teachers and we have all these resources to grow and develop, but we have to understand that we can't learn the scriptures and be carnal or be lost. We learn the scriptures because they're spiritual and they're for spiritual people. And we have to look at it in a spiritual way. And the Holy Spirit of God is the one that teaches us. Not a person, not a man, not a woman. They can give us ideas, but then we have to fall back and say, what does the Word of God say? And what does the Holy Spirit of God say to me personally about what they said? Too many people just simply go through life and say, the pastor said, the pastor said. And I love our pastor and I have great respect for him. But you can't go through life saying, well, so-and-so said it's true, so therefore it's true. We have to say, what thus saith the word of God? And what it says is true. The Bible says that uh, let God be true and every man a liar. Now, this is what we have to understand. The word Christian means being Christ-like. Being a Christian is not what we do. And it's not how we act. It's who we are. It's what we are. I'm not a man because I act like a man. I act like a man because I am a man. You see what I'm saying? Acting like a man doesn't make me a man. But that's why I act like a man. And acting like a woman, I could act like a woman, but that wouldn't make me a woman. I'd still be a man. Does that make sense? So you ladies act like women because you are women. And you could act like a man, you could dress like a man, but you would still be a woman. So that uh, is not changed. So here's the thing. If a Christian is what we are, then it's not unreasonable for God to expect us to act like one. <laughs> is it, would it be unreasonable for my wife to expect me to act like a man? Would that be unreasonable for her to make that request? No. Would it be unreasonable for me to tell my wife, why don't you act like a woman? That wouldn't be unreasonable. She'd be like, okay, that's easy. <laughs> it's easy for a woman to act like a woman, right? <laughs> because that's what you are. So it's, it's, it's fairly simple for a Christian to act like a Christian because that's what we are. It's, see, too many times people think Christianity is something we do, and it's, and it's things we do, but it's not. It's who we are. We're a child of God. Think about this. How many Christians that are so spiritually immature that if somebody asks them, I want to get saved, how can I go to heaven? And they respond with, let me call the pastor. That, that's pretty simple and pretty basic. We're not talking about explain the book of Revelation. We're not talking about uh, Bible theology. We're talking about the basics of how you got saved. If you got saved, you should be able to tell somebody else how you did it. Does that make sense? But too many people are like, no, no, I, I don't understand. I can't explain that to somebody. Well, I'm not trying to be mean, but when somebody tells me that they can't tell somebody how to be a Christian, either they're not one or they are so spiritually immature and unlearned that they haven't learned two plus two. That, that is, you can't get anything more basic 
in the Bible or in Christianity than to tell somebody that Jesus Christ died for you, you accept the, uh, the, the uh, sacrifice he made and ask him to forgive your sins and he will save you. That, you see, that's really basic and really easy to understand. So think about this. If somebody asks you a question, and I'm, we're not talking about some deep theology in, in Revelation, but a general question, how to get saved. A general question, why do you go to church? A general question, why should you do this or why should you do that? Just a real basic question, and you can't answer it, and you have to call the pastor or the preacher or your brother-in-law or somebody else and ask them. I want you to think about this. If somebody told you that they're a lifeguard, but then they told you, oh, but I don't know how to swim. Isn't that like one of the basics? If you're going to be a lifeguard, I think number one priority is that you know how to swim, right? So if you call yourself a lifeguard, but you don't know how to swim, does that make you a lifeguard because you say it? No. You're a lifeguard because you know how to swim, and you know how to save people and get them out of the water. What about somebody that told you, I'm a truck driver? And then you say, well, what kind of truck do you drive? Oh, I don't know how to drive a truck, but I'm a truck driver. Well, if you don't know how to drive a truck, you're not a truck driver. <laughs> if you don't know the word of God, you can call yourself a Christian all you want. If you don't know the basic doctrines of this book, then maybe you need to check up. Because a truck driver that can't drive a truck is, is fooling himself. A lifeguard that doesn't know how to swim is living a fantasy and a lie. What about a pilot? Somebody says, I'm a pilot. And I say, oh, what kind of planes do you fly? Well, I don't know how to fly a plane. Well, then you're not a pilot. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So if we don't understand the basic principles of God's word, that's God's expectation. He said in 2 Timothy, he said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of the truth. So if you don't understand and know the basics of the word of God, I'm not trying to be mean, but you should be ashamed of yourself. Because that's what Paul said. You study to show yourself approved unto God. So that you don't have to be ashamed and that you can rightly divide the word of truth. That's a critical thing for uh, us as Christians. We have to know what we believe. And in addition to that, we have to know why we believe what we believe. All right, so we will stop there and pick up in verse number 22 next week.